Welcome back to another episode of the Major Journey Podcast. This week's special guest has been called one of the most influential women in WordPress, and now she's one of the women leading the cannabis reformation conversation, building one of Texas's premier CBD brands. She's currently the CEO and co-founder of Restart CBD, a female-run education-first CBD wellness brand, and she's formerly held marketing positions at WordPress Engine and Web Dev Studios. She is the host of a podcast for cannabis marketers called To Be Blunt, where she interviews top cannabis brands on their most successful marketing initiatives. Without further ado, please welcome the face of Restart CBD, Shada Tarabi. Hello, thanks for having me on the show. Shada, thank you so much for being a guest. First and foremost, I'm a fan of your show. Um, and so when you agreed to to be a part of the Major Journey podcast, I was I was super pumped and super excited that you were up for it. So thank you for being here. Oh my gosh, I love just the conversations and creating, you know, just different points of reflection for those of us in the industry, no matter where you're coming from. I think there's always more to learn and and I like to lead by being curious. And so when you launched your podcast, I definitely was excited to tune in and super grateful now to be a guest on the show and just looking forward to diving into some great discussion. Hopefully the listeners are ready. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm such a fan of your show is because you lead with that, that curiosity mindset. And I feel like that makes for the best conversations for the best, just everything, business partners, business ideas. Um, so it's, it's, we're going to have a good time right now. Um, so to get started for those who aren't familiar with your story and the restart CBD story and brand, would you mind just taking us back to how you first got involved in the Texas cannabis scene and how Restart CBD came about and some of the fun projects that you guys are working on today. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, there's a lot of content out there on the internet that hopefully helps weave the in-betweens of this story. So for mm -hmm. the sake of the conversation, I'll kind of hit the highlight points. Uh, I'm a born and raised Texan. So for those of you who are familiar with cannabis, uh, marijuana is not legal in Texas, but hemp was legalized uh, about two years ago, two and a half years ago. And so we've been really fortunate to be um, a part of that exciting, you know, market being created and built. But um, yeah, really just love cannabis in all of its different facets. I have been a cannabis consumer for the majority of my life. And really my story gets interesting about 2016, I was in a car accident where I was hit by a vehicle as a pedestrian and I was exposed to the, you know, the journey of dealing with chronic pain, recovering from it. What are those avenues, you know, options, steroid injections, pain medication. I was in and out of physical therapy for eight months post-accident, just mid-20s dealing with significant chronic pain that you know, for those people who are listening, who also are experiencing chronic pain, they can understand it. Something that doesn't necessarily ever go away. And so you have to learn how do you manage it? And I think mm -hmm. traditional uh, medicine, the, you know, the Hollywood, you know, media way of managing pain is very prescribed. And so I think cannabis obviously has this recreation aspect, but obviously also this medicinal aspect. And so thankfully my 
my personal exposure to cannabis was more on the recreation side leading up to the accident, but I have a very open family. So for our brand restart CBD, we are family owned. My two younger sisters and I are the co-founders and we were actually really inspired to start the brand because of our mother. So our mother is the one who originally introduced me to CBD back when I was going through recovery with the accident. And so that's really how our family first got introduced to CBD. And now if you extrapolate it out, you know, five, six years ago, the CBD market was not what it was or is today. And so definitely back then it was, you know, not super legal. I always have to highlight it wasn't that it was illegal. It just wasn't legal. And so therefore sourcing, manufacturing, processing, there just was no industry for it. And so what my mother did was she found sources and she started making me essentially homemade remedies. She was making me my own topicals, my own sublinguals. And at the time I was a heavy vapor. And so she was making me homemade vape products just to, you know, soothe, soothe my, my pain. And I I have to admit, I, I literally was like, what the fuck are you doing? I smoke so much pot. Like I'm probably getting enough CBD. And what I would learn through that personal journey was the different types of, you know, cannabinoids and the different ratios and percentages and how different genetics are grown. And the reality is most products that you are purchasing, I would even argue still presently, because I do spend a lot of time outside of my state in fully legal states. And you start to see CBD, even some other minor cannabinoids being introduced into the dispensaries, but for the most part, it's a very heavy THC conversation. So I just didn't know what I didn't know. And, and so as a family, when I started finding relief with CBD heavy products, that's really where, you know, the light bulb, I should say, you know, started flickering. I wouldn't say it went Mm -hmm. off completely because we didn't launch the brand right then. I was working uh, corporate tech marketing was my full-time job. I was working for somebody else, working for another brand, could not publicly even really say, hey, this cannabinoid CBD that you've never heard of that is associated to marijuana, which is not legal, is something that I'm using and it has helped heal me and manage my pain. And so- we as a family just became really big, um, you know, believers internally that my sister started adopting CBD routines. My middle sister, Sydney, who's one of my co-founders with us is a former university of Texas swimmer. And so she really wow. comes from the, you know, professional sports side. She's now a under armor sponsored athlete. So she cannot consume THC in any capacity because obviously being in athletics, that is something that I know it's transitioning and changing, but really her lifestyle has been anti-THC. And so it's been really interesting watching that introduction, you know, evolve in my family's adoption of this cannabinoid and these products. But it was, you know, kind of right time, right place. We ended up launching Restart CBD now going on almost three years ago. The timeline essentially was it was not federally legal yet. So we launched in August of 2018. It then became federally legal, I believe in October of 2018, but it wasn't Texas legal until June of 2019. (laughs) So there were definitely some months where we were just, what are we doing? Is there even a market for this? And I'll also add, I didn't launch and go full-time with it by any means. This was a small 
side project that, you know, because my background is corporate tech marketing, I come from platform and web hosting that for me, in my mind, I was like, I'm going to make a brand and put it on the internet, not even really realizing all the difficulties of e-commerce and platforms and integrations that this industry is, is paralyzed by. But that was really our first forte into it. It was, Hey, we've personally found some relief with this plant. Uh, it's now, you know, slowly becoming federally and state legal. Let's lean into this conversation and just see what happens. And so we launched as an online brand first very quickly, realized essentially that retail was going to be a big component for us, that when we opened our retail, we were the first local brand to open a CBD dispensary and, and now we're the top rated brand. So, you know, just a couple, three years later, we've certainly put, you know, our money where our mouth is in terms of being education first. That was really the biggest gap that I saw when we were launching was you're looking around for education. What is this cannabinoid? How much should I take? And and there is some, some discretion, right? You don't want to legally, I can't tell someone how much to take or, or what's going to ultimately cure or help them. But again, kind of how we were kicking off the conversation, my intention is to have my consumers come curious and leave curious. It's here, let me arm you with information. These are the different types of products. These are the different consumption methods. These are different cannabinoids. I mean, from when we launched in 2018 to now presently in 2021, we now saw you know, CBN as an isolated cannabinoid, CBG. I now sell a significant amount of Delta-8 THC. So the cannabinoids have evolved. We also talk heavily about terpenes and it's just been really exciting to be one of those brands who gets to lean into that conversation in Texas of all places, because it is, you know, we're super South. We are a Southern state and we have very strict rules and regulations, but it's exciting because those are changing and we're getting to help be a part of that conversation just by educating and being a resource for consumers. Yeah, you, you touched on two things, which I think are super interesting. One, you mentioned how you you weren't doing anything illegal, but some of the, the aspect of a lot of what was happening wasn't necessarily fully legal. Um, and so I always ask, you know, people like yourself and, and in, in this kind of a position, do you realize that you're making or that you are a part of history? Like when you look back on this, like 10, 15, 20 years down the road, you're going to have, you know, an arsenal of memories and you're just going to be like, wow, like we did that. Like now you can just kind of, you know, very freely consume cannabis, whether it's something that's 0.3% or not um, and not really have, you know, that kind of headache or that worry about it. But I, I always ask people, you know, people like you in your position, do you guys, do you ever think of it that way? Like, like we're, we're literally a piece of history and what we're doing right now is going to leave a legacy behind. That's probably bigger than like any of us could really wrap our heads around. Is that something that ever goes through your head? Like totally day to day of everything? Totally. I think it comes in, in waves. I mean, you definitely get Anybody who's an entrepreneur knows, you know, the blinders go up. I think there's so many things that I um, forget to appreciate. And so I always, you know, love when people prompt and ask that question because, because it is, it's something to remark and be really grateful and appreciative of. And so, yes, there are a few Texas cannabis entrepreneurs and we, from time to time, kind of, you know, reach across the social media DM and we're like, Hey, <laughs> We're doing some really cool shit. Like, can you believe? And so it is really exciting. And I think that as a marketer is something that I 
I don't take for granted, right? I mean, we kind of mentioned my podcast in the beginning. It's something that I think when I first launched in the industry, I didn't realize how alone I was going to be in navigating it. And I didn't realize how much of a leader I was going to become. I mean, that was certainly not my goal. I I appreciate the space and the position. I definitely want to be successful and I want to be a good steward of this plant and the position that I possess, but it wasn't like, okay, we're going to go, you know, be a part of this thing and, and, and be on the forefront. And like, now I'm in a position where I get to sit on boards and I get to be in conversations with the Texas ag, you know, department and try to help influence at a policy level. And it, it is really cool and exciting to step back even just, you know, six months ago, let alone two and a half, three years ago when we first started this and realized, yeah. look at all this progress we've made. But I do think people getting in the industry for sure, you know, they 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 need to be prepared that it is not always going to be rainbows and butterflies. I don't think people realize that going into cannabis, but certainly entrepreneurship yeah. has its battles. But I think cannabis, you know, it's really easy to get discouraged. You're trying to market your brand. You're trying to navigate um, laws that, you know, can implicate you depending on what you say on a label or on your website. And so it's like, how do I be disruptive and be in the forefront while also not, you know, compromising. So for me, I reflect a lot of times on this position of, you know, having a target on your back mm. by being the leader, people are then watching what you're doing. But then I'm sometimes at the front and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing sometimes. Like <laughs> I'm learning with you guys. Like we're all learning totally. at the same time. And so it's a very humbling position to be in of just, I got here because I'm curious. I want to do the work. I want to do it right as best as my ability will allow me while also realizing we're in the middle of prohibition, baby. We're literally in the middle of it. And so to kind of answer your point more um, succinctly, it's like totally aware of it and also totally like realizing like we're not even done yet. And so it is going to be really exciting, I think, to reflect back and, you know, somewhere in the back of my mind, I'm like, this could make a really cool book one day. Like you said, imagine Texas transitioning from, from where we are to where we're going. I mean, I do see full legalization in our future. It's just, you know, depending on what day it is, ask me and and I'll tell you how long I think it's going to take. So right (laughs) now I think we're looking at five to seven years for full legalization in Texas. Unfortunately, that is, a way away. But um, again, really exciting with the development with CBD, because I think CBD from a marketing perspective, this is something I, I always love to bring up and just kind of give people this point of reflection. As somebody who has visited over a hundred dispensaries in pretty much every legal state, except for some of the more recent ones to legalize, I've gone, I've asked, I've been curious, I've shot products, I've tried things. And most of those products and most of those uh, dispensaries, just the way things are set up, they don't really educate you on these other cannabinoids. It's a very THC heavy market and conversation. And I think with the introduction of hemp's legality, just, you know, three years ago, you're starting to see that conversation open up. And it's really exciting because now you have consumers who are, they're more educated. They might realize, Hey, I don't, I I don't love a full THC experience. Like I might like a a one-to-one ratio. Well, Mm -hmm. three years ago, we didn't have ratio products and dispensaries, (laughs) you know? And so I do believe CBD and hemp's legalization really has helped push that conversation forward um, to do research on these minor cannabinoids to then do the, you know, productization of these minor cannabinoids and ultimately bring it to market for consumers to enjoy and appreciate. 
I really look at cannabis um, as a beautiful opportunity. I mean, this is like my pie in the sky. Like if technology works the way it should, you know, I've seen people who have created, like, I'm sure maybe you've done like 23 and me ancestry DNA mm -hmm. tests. I've seen some preliminary services where they'll take your DNA and they'll kind of map it to maybe some of the research that's been done with cannabis saying, Hey, your body is more dispositioned to these ailments, these diseases right. based on your genetics. Wow. Maybe you should, you know, be having high CBG and maybe you need this, you know, blend of cannabinoids to really fit with your body. I look forward to that day where we have more flexibility of these different cannabinoids and terpenes because it is so much more than just high THC, you know, I want the most bang for my buck. It's yeah. if cannabis really works the way that we're being educated that it is, you know, anti-cancer help with all these, you know, seizures, things like that, mm -hmm. like really serious um, ailments that people are being, um, you know, prescribed with. It's like, Hey, I hope, I hope with my consumption that I can ward off some of these things. Unfortunately, I don't know if we'll ever know until, you know, we're at that point in our life, but I think it's a pretty exciting position to be in, to just watch this market completely open up and evolve. Yeah, 100%. And you, you laid out the roadmap for that beautifully. I, I totally agree on, on the flip side. Um, you also alluded to e-commerce, right? And I know that you said that the way, the way you describe the journey of Restart, it seems like it's a very Texas-rooted brand and there's a very tight bond around it. Um, you also mentioned that you guys are an e-commerce brand and so you're able to, I'm, I'm here in New York and so if I want Restart product, I just go online, I get it, boom, great, right? But how do you actually do something like that successfully where you can take a very locally rooted brand and successfully bring it online and get acceptance, not just in your home state, but in every other state in the country and you know maybe even internationally. I think that's something that a lot of folks don't see how much work and how much strategy goes into that. So I'd love it if you can, especially from the perspective of a marketer, like you said, as somebody who's worked in tech before, can you kind of elaborate and share with us some of the intricacies involved with bringing a brand that's very locally rooted to a national market on an e-commerce level? Yeah, great question. I will precedent the answer with this. And I say this pretty much anytime I public speak, I hope the people listening are will observe the you know way that I'm doing things, but don't take it word for word because I do believe that certain things are just like innate skills that I present and bring to the table and copying me verbatim might not work. What I hope people listen to is where do their skills you know, align or show up and what are things that they can lean into to help extend their brand. So for me, because I came from corporate tech, mm -hmm. uh, I pretty much just copied our playbook. So on one hand, specifically, let me attack kind of the e-commerce side of the conversation. I feel so fortunate because my job leading up to this was platform and e-commerce. And so I came from knowing what solutions already were on the table, which is, I think, gotcha. what allowed me to be a little more naive to what I was getting into. Now, three years ago, it was much more difficult to be online, just even on the payment merchant payment processing side. That was a really... Um, that's a key component, right? It's like, you could have a website, but can you take people's money? 
well, if you can't take their money, then you don't really have a way to process <laughs> online. So, so I think that was a really big piece now in 2021. I think there are more solutions out there, but it unfortunately is very nuanced. Um, kind of at a high level, I would say, if you have just e-commerce, that's a different battle than if you have an e-commerce and retail, which is what I have. So for me, I needed to make sure that my my retail POS, my point of sale system integrated into my e-commerce system. And so there are solutions. We use Square. Square's kind of the, you know, now again, they've come to market recently. It's not like they were existing three years ago. So that wasn't an option right. I had when I first started. Um, but they're a, a brand that has made they're not perfect. So again, I think everybody needs to kind of explore for their own products and their own kind of vision for their brand, but thinking through, okay, if I want to be online only, you have different options than if you want to be online and retail. With that said, there's also different, uh, loopholes or flexibilities with these platforms, depending on what you sell. So Shopify is another huge Mm -hmm. e-commerce platform that has recently opened up to cannabis. However, my products that I sell do not qualify to be sold on Shopify. So if Shopify is marketing to you saying, hey, we can hold your cannabis business and give you e-commerce, I would take it with a grain of salt and really start asking them questions to make sure before you build your site on Shopify that they can actually support and make sure you find a payment processor who will actually support the products you want to process. So think of it as if you're selling hemp flower, which looks and smells like weed, that's a much different product than if you're selling topicals, right? Mm-hmm. And so those products absolutely will um, will determine if a platform will or will not let you be on it in the long run. And so it's not just a great, you know, Shopify supports cannabis or Square supports cannabis. It's what are you actually selling? And then you need to go find solutions for your products, Um, So I think there's that one aspect on the e-commerce, but in terms of marketing and building a national brand, again, I reflect on what I was doing for my previous company, WP Engine, which is a managed WordPress host. So kind of an intermittent like tie, if you will, I use WordPress partially because that's where I worked. That's what I knew, but also because WordPress is open source. So again, when you are using platforms like Square or Shopify, those are closed platforms and they have the ability to pull your content, your site down at their discretion. Now, again, some people, they don't know this. It could be, you know, a particular product you upload and it triggers it to that platform and they don't like it. And then they pull your site down. Um, I still have struggles just because I'm integrating with some of those solutions, even using WordPress as the platform. But WordPress for me was already kind of, again, the default baseline because that's what I worked in. So it wasn't like I thought, oh, who am I going to go, you know, build my site with? It was, it's going to be WordPress because that's what I know. It just happens to also be open source and it also just happens to be the largest uh, content management system on the web, responsible for more sites on the web than any other content management system. So in terms of quality. It certainly is a leader outside of cannabis in general, but I think Mm -hmm. for cannabis businesses, WordPress is is kind of um, a good solution to explore. Because I was doing events and branding and marketing for a WordPress company, I basically 
that's my playbook. I, I mirrored what they did to build their brand nationally for my brand. And so part of that, again, is speaking to what my skill set is. I love doing podcasts. I love public speaking. Um, I love creating content. I I use those af- those um, those aspects as as ways that I lean in for my brand. So when we launched Restart in Austin, I'm a public speaker, and so I thought. I want to public speak in this industry. I used to public speak in the WordPress space on marketing. And I thought I'm navigating, I'm navigating platform, I'm navigating social media and cannabis. Why can't I speak on that? And so for me, again, maybe you're listening and you're not a marketer. Well, you probably can't speak on marketing, or maybe you're listening to this and you don't like public speaking. Well, maybe you don't public speak. Think of what your skill set is. Again, for me as a marketer who loved to public speak, that's where I was like, oh, no brainer. Let me just shift over here. And it's funny. I was asked on, you know, another podcast that I was on, what's some advice on, you know, how to like, how to public speak or like how to get yourself out there. And it's like, I struggle with imposter syndrome, just like everybody else. I had never been, you know, a public speaker in cannabis when we launched our brand. I had no experience. There was no reason why these people should invite me to speak at their conference, but I pitched myself and I had enough content from my other world that I was like, Hey, look, I can speak about marketing and these things that I'm doing. Let me apply it to cannabis. And it took just, you know, let's say I applied to four or five shows. One show finally picked me up. Mm-hmm. Great. Then once I did that show, I took that reel and that content and I pitched it to four or five more shows. Yeah. So my first year with restart, I probably spoke at, you know, two or three solo talks. I was on like three or four panels. Then the next year I probably doubled it. Now, just this month, I've been on three podcasts and we're not even, you know, 20 days into the new year. And I've got three public speaking things coming up in the next, you know, quarter. And so that's my wheelhouse. That's what Mm -hmm. I'm good at. But that put me in a position to be speaking in Miami. I spoke in Denver. I spoke in Las Vegas. Now my brand name is showing up nationally. I think another thing for people to kind of acknowledge too, is like, I didn't, get paid to do this. Mm-hmm. I didn't get paid by these people to fly myself to Vegas. Like I, I flew myself to Vegas to speak. I invested in the flights in the hotel because for me, marketing is not easy, but it's like in my brain, I'm just trying to think what's the easiest thing that I know how to do public speak. Okay. And I've done it enough in other experiences that I knew that this can play off in the long run. I'm playing the long game. And so here I am, you know, kind of three years later, had um, many fortunate opportunities to be public speaking and a lot of really cool opportunities have come out of public speaking, let alone the other things that I do to market my brand at a national level. But um, yeah, I think those are things that are just there for people to kind of observe and see and realize, you know, there's ways to get your brand out there. Some people spend their money on advertising. Obviously advertising in this industry is very finicky. It's not something that even prior to this, I did. I never did digital advertising. I was not a digital advertising marketer. I've always been a brand marketer. I've always been a content creator. And so those are the things that I lean into. And so kind of the other half of that would be content creation, just creating content that's relevant, that people want to consume. Um, I always talk about this. It's so, um, I think marketers and just business in general, people think I got to come up with the next new thing. You know, what's going (laughs) to make that person purchase or shop with me. And it's like, don't reinvent the wheel. Yeah. There's some like somebody somewhere said, you know, it takes seven different interactions for a brand to be put in front of you, whether it's an advertisement, you know, they, they see something on social media, they're watching a TV thing, they're hearing it, they see what an event for them to realize, oh, 
I want to go shop at Restart CBD. And so what that tells me as a marketer is I don't have to show them completely different content. I just have to keep showing them content and, oh, hey, let me answer, you know, they're frequently asked questions. And so I, I like to bring this example up. YouTube. YouTube is what they say, the largest search engine aside from Google. Mm-hmm. We uh, luckily have a retail store and I think e-commerce versus retail is a little bit more challenging to get customer feedback, but because I have a retail and I'm a marketer, tip for everybody, ask your customers. They're coming in your store. Just ask them. So I asked them, you're listening. What are you talking about? What are your questions? What's coming out of your mouth? What concerns do you have? What's holding you up? We started selling a lot more. Um, when we first launched as Restart, we did not sell the breadth of products we sell. I really started selling oils, topicals, pet products, really isolate based. And we moved into full spectrum. Now, if you go to my website, yes, I ship nationwide and I sell pretty much everything. Flower, vape, sublinguals, edibles, all those types of products. And so when we started selling smokables. Surprisingly, I had a lot of customers in Texas who we're not as comfortable smoking. They didn't know how to smoke a joint. And so we started realizing, oh my gosh, people don't know how to smoke a joint to you and me. Maybe that's silly. This is the filter. This is the part you light, you use a lighter and you inhale. That's how you do it. I had so many people who were asking, okay, well, I want to smoke. I hear smoking is great. How do I do it? And my sister and I literally no production value whatsoever. This is on YouTube. You can go find it on our, our YouTube channel for restart. How to smoke a joint. How to smoke a joint. Literally took my phone, videoed it. My sister is recording it. I'm in the office. You can even tell in the video, the the, the focus goes in and out. So it's again, not super high production, but it's real. It's me. It's my face. I'm showing up. Like I said, I'm educated to some extent. I I smoke a lot of joints, so I I know how to light it and put it out. I made that video. That video has over 60,000 views. Those people are not all in Austin, Texas. Those people are all over the country, perhaps all over the world. And so, again, it kind of touches on a few points. One, content creation on the right platforms with the right type of content can be extended beyond your geographical location. And don't feel like you have to recreate the wheel to market your brand. Obviously, there is um, so much saturation now. I think part of our success was because we got in it early when we did. But I will say it was by no, you know, no choice on my own. I didn't know what I was getting into. It wasn't like, again, haha, I'm going to get into CBD early. It was just, no, I have a personal experience. I'm creating a brand. That wasn't, again, my full-time job at the time, but right place, right time, good intentions um, and hard work. And so I think that was just the right combination for us to show up and say, are we going to do this? Okay, let's do this. And then just listen, listening to consumers. What are their questions? What are they getting hung up on? And then creating content to answer that. Um, has, I think, given us the space to be recognized and differentiated compared to, you know, the guy or gal down the street who's, or across the country, who's also selling pre-rolls and topicals and sublingual oils, et cetera. Totally. And you, it's so funny that you mentioned that. I actually forgot about this until you just brought it up, but that video that you just described, uh, how to smoke a joint, I think that was actually one of the first pieces of content that I saw from you like a while back uh, when we first connected on LinkedIn, this was before we had any conversation or, or anything like that. But I remember it came up on my newsfeed and it came up and I literally thought to myself, I said, this is so simple, but there's something about this video. And I don't know. And again, right. This goes back to the magic of content. You just never know. Like I wasn't looking for that. I was, I wasn't searching, you know, how do you smoke a joint, but there was something about it. Could it have been, I think at the, 
I think the um, one of the things in the background was that really cool green wall that you guys have in your store. Yeah. And I think it, it was a combination of that and just the overall aesthetic of the store. And I, to this day, right, when you brought it up, I remember I saw the video and I commented and I was like, I really love your store. Or I said something about complimenting the aesthetic. And I was like, holy shit. I'm like, that is so cool. But again, the, the, the topic of the video had nothing to do with what I was looking for, but there was something that, that made me connect to it. And it resulted in me leaving a comment. And so you just never know. Right. And so I think that's, that was just a cool thing that um, I appreciate I, that. I don't even think I ever told you about that, but as soon as you brought that up, I was like, Oh my God, that's so funny. The power of content. No, it was cool to come full circle and kind of like a little addendum to that too. You know, that video was probably one of the first things I posted on my LinkedIn that was like fully like, okay, she's smoking a joint. Like mm -hmm. I talk about coming from corporate marketing. I mean, you kindly called me, you know, the face of my company. Now I appreciate that. I, I am very much <laughs> the face of my company, but, but I was the face of, of, of WP engine for many years. That's how I really got my, you know, to be one of these top WordPress um, profiles. It was, mm -hmm. I was very public facing for that company. And when I decided, you know, Hey, I'm going to get into cannabis. I'm going to get into CBD. Now let me start transitioning this content. LinkedIn for me was never somewhere that I, I thought I should play around for cannabis. And I think that was something too, just to kind of add for the listeners, you know, you and I started our relationship because of LinkedIn. And so I think LinkedIn right. is such a, now it's definitely, I think becoming more, more well-known for cannabis, but I definitely think, you know, even just a couple months ago, the beginning pre COVID, it was, okay, we're going to hang out on LinkedIn and we're going to put content out here and we're just going to see. And so I just think for people in the industry to get creative and to, you know, there's going to be a lot of doors that are closed. There's going to be a lot of platforms that you can't be on. There's going to be a lot of, you know, things you can't do like using social media. For example, I get content flagged all the time. Shouldn't be, you know, posting smoking content. You can't put prices or say that you're selling anything. You know, you don't want to sell drugs. And then I sometimes push back. I'm like, this is hemp. This is legal. What are you doing, social media? Yeah. Um, but again, kind of in that vein, there's going to be doors that are closed. And so you kind of have to look for creative doors that might not be doors that might perhaps be windows that you can crawl through and, and launch and put content out to. So yeah, hopefully people can get some ideas to just think of different platforms that they could be getting involved with as well. For sure. And then to piggyback off of the content, one of the things that I wanted to, uh, to just congratulate you on was building your personal brand and how well you've done it. Um, with that said, what is your Instagram handle? Because I want people just to kind of pause right now and, and go on their phones and, and give you a follow. Thank you so much. Yeah, so I, uh, I'm i the Shada Tarabi. So my name is Shada Tarabi and just add a V in front of it. But thank you. Yes, I've worked very hard to build my personal brand. And so what have you seen come from it? Because I think a lot of people, especially in the beginning, they get excited about it and they're like, yeah, I'm going to do this. This is going to be a lot of fun. And then going back to what you alluded to before, you don't have to constantly reinvent the wheel, but you do have to stay consistent. And so what have you seen pay off from that consistency? Because I'm sure there are days where you're like, oh, like, I don't feel like doing this right now. Or like, I don't feel like posting this or like I'm out to dinner with my friends, just trying to like relax and take my mind off things, but I'm going to take a picture just for content and whatnot. Like except like all these different things. So like, yes, it's a lot of work, but I'd be curious, again, from your perspective of a marketer to see what comes from or like, how do the dividends get paid out to you having a personal brand? And how does that impact restart on a local level, physically in the brick and mortar store, and also on a national level in terms of e-commerce? 
Yeah, really great question. I want to unpack it. I'm going to proceed that with, I created my personal brand originally under different context, right? So I think social media is so interesting. I think anybody can be successful in any time or date, but to your point, it takes work. And so I think building a following um, can be discouraging at times because you obviously want to create content, you want engagement, um, you want visibility. That's the whole point of marketing and creating content is for someone to see it, to like it, to want to engage, to purchase with you, to follow, whatever the case may be. Um, And so I originally created my brand as a food blogger. I then was in the accident And I, so the progression was, I was originally dine with Shada. And then when I was in the accident, that was probably four years into me creating dine with Shada. I, I was in the accident. I was going through recovery. I was trying to, you know, navigate my life from a health and wellness perspective. I dropped to the dine because I went to a pretty paleo lifestyle and nobody (laughs) wanted to see me eating salads and chicken every day. Um, And so I went into wellness content, which was a good transition for me. So I started, you know, talking more about cannabis, CBD, uh, different recovery methods, got really into my fitness. Um, And it was really uh, probably... I would say during the pandemic was really what encouraged me to full on, I say deprecate because I do think that there's certain aspects of like, you have to just make that decision. When you are a personal brand, you can obviously decide what you want to show and how much you want to show. But I think that there, there is an expectation of consistency creating content. And so for me, Mm -hmm. because I had created this platform, my followers range very widely. So I do have people who followed me from the early days and they've seen all the transitions I've gone through and, and people who are new and they love love and like all the cannabis content I'm creating. But um, I'll kind of like say that as figure out what your personal brand is. You know, if you want to be a reviewer for certain products, if you want to build it out just for your own personal brand, I think there's a lot of different ways to build a personal brand on social media for me, it was originally marketing other people's products, reviewing restaurants, trying out different gyms. And now I've used the platform and I've converted it because I've built enough credibility on it with almost 20,000 followers to, to be a little bit more strong-minded of like, I don't want to post about those things anymore. I want to post about these things and these things happen to be cannabis. So I'm going to now post about this content. And I have lost followers who don't care about that anymore. And so I think when you are a personal brand, you have to kind of separate the person and realize that you are building a brand and people are going to want resources and information from you. Um, But I think that that is such a fun position to be in where you get to, extend yourself. And so again, kind of reflecting on what I shared earlier, maybe you don't want to share a lot about yourself. That's okay. I don't think that everybody has to do it to the extent that perhaps if you are following me on social media, you observe what I share. I think I share an obscene amount. Part of it's because I'm comfortable doing it. And part of it is because it does work for me. These are things that I am, I'm capable of doing. It's easy for me to create content. I don't have to think too hard to do it because that's just the way my mind works. Um, But in terms of payoff, oh my gosh, I mean, tremendous payoff. Uh, I I can't say specifically like, oh, social media has like led to this, that, or that. Again, you can go to my profiles. You can see the brands I've been fortunate Mm -hmm. to work with, um, opportunities I've been able to have. But I think for me, the biggest thing is just getting people um, to accept and show up, show up, show up, show up. 
show up online, show up to the conference, show up in the networking meeting, show up on LinkedIn, you know, like whatever the platform situation is, show up. People want to do business with people and they're selfish. We're selfish. Our brains are one-tracked minded. And even using myself as an example, talking about social media as a content creator and personal brand, I've gotten very lazy. Last week, I only posted once because I'm too busy running my business to think about my personal brand sometimes. But I keep doing it because the payoff is there. Because when you show up, people think about you. When they see your content, whether or not they like it, whether or not, like I have to always have this conversation with myself because I think Instagram in particular, the algorithm is just a piece of fuckery. (laughs) It changes constantly. Some days I get, you know, super, super likes and a ton of exposure and my story views are skyrocketing. And then the next day, like yesterday, literally had so much engagement today, the content I'm posting, not the same. Then one could ask, is it the content? One could ask, is it the time of day? There's a lot of questions. Again, going back to reflecting, I have to remind myself it doesn't matter what they see. They just need to see you creating because they're not thinking about it. They're not thinking at that deep level. Maybe it just takes one person who sees that piece of content that you posted that day. And that person is going to invite you to be on their podcast. They're going to ask you to speak at their event. They're going to offer you a partnership opportunity. Um, I can say a fun one that kind of comes to mind that blends with social media that really tells my story in a beautiful way is um, we are here in Austin and there is a very well-known, well-loved ice cream company in Austin called Lick Ice Cream. And the owners happen to be friends of mine now, but I got introduced to them as a food blogger. And so I would go to their shops and I would take pictures of their ice cream. I would try their new flavors and I would promote that to my audience. Over the years, we would see each other at events. We would see each other here or there. And especially after I launched Restart, I'm not the type of entrepreneur who's like, I'm hungry, but I'm never pushy, right? I don't want someone to feel obligated to partner with me or to do business with me. But again, I show up because me just being in the room, they're going to start getting their wheels spinning. And that's what Mm -hmm. happened. We happened to be at an Austin 40 under 40 event and um, the owner of Lick was there and I was there and we were sitting at a table and they were, you know, oh, what's going on with Restart and how are things, you know, been doing and Oh, we should maybe work together. We should do something. Okay, let's, you know, think about it. Again, I'm not being pushy. I'm not like, oh, hey, you said you wanted to do this thing. We talked at that event. Let's do it. But no, I was there. I'm just being me talking about my business. These are the cool things I'm up to. And then their marketing department followed up. We were able to launch a custom flavor that we collaborated with them on. We added our CBD to it. We launched it for National CBD Day. This was in 2019. And we had pinted ice cream and they also did it scoopable in the store. Wildly successful for them. Super great opportunity for us. Mm-hmm. I don't care how many people ended up coming to my store. Obviously, it's the exposure, it's the brand awareness, it's the collaboration opportunity. But it was just fun. It was fun because it was organic. And I got there because I just showed up. I showed up and I was me and I had my shit together. And so I think that's, you know, the other side of the coin of everything that I'm saying. You got to have to have your shit together, too. You can't just be like, hey, I got CBD and you should put it in everything. Like if you don't have a quality product, you don't have information about it. You don't know your shit. 
it's going to be a hard sell for someone to want to work with you. But for us, we had built so much equity in our local community as a brand that this other small business was like, Hey, we see that CBD is a trend. We want to do it, but we want to do it the right way. We don't want to just add CBD to our menu blindly. We want to partner with the CBD sisters because they've become known as the CBD sisters. They're known for being super education. And so when we launched with them, we were very clear to say, we want a QR code on the menu so people can be linking to the COAs. We want a special you know, description that introduces them to you're getting an isolate CBD. There's no THC and helping craft that educational component. Again, people are obviously putting CBD in everything, this, that, and the other these days. There's some that are really educational, some that are just, I mean, it's laughable. I, I look at some of these people just here locally and they're like, I got CBD on the menu. And low key, my favorite thing to do <laughs> is to troll some people to be like, just because you put CBD on your menu is a full spectrum or isolate. How many milligrams? What's the serving? And when these brands can't answer those questions to me, that's a point of problematic, right? It's yeah. problem. And so again, I think that's where we had built ourselves up in the community as these people know their shit. We're going to lean into that. And so that's where we, when I show up, people listen and then they want to do business and it's really beautiful. And so I think that was a really fun collaboration for me that really came out of my social media and brand building that I've been doing with my personal brand over the past, you know, couple of years. And, and I look forward to, to more of those opportunities, but unfortunately the, the saying of, of, you know, how do you kind of really attribute marketing to sales is really difficult unless you are doing advertising and you've got link backs. It's really, really difficult to track. And so for people listening, I hope that they, you know, again, take it with a grain of salt of maybe they don't love posting content every day. Okay. Well, figure out another way to, you know, extend your personal brand. Maybe you love being in your community. You love showing up, you know, supporting different small businesses. Um, I think just being educated and having a profile. So that'd be my other two cents have a LinkedIn, have a social media, even if you're not posting every day, having some sort of consistency. So consistency to kind of answer your, your point and your question of posting. It's like consistency is different to everybody. Consistency to me might be every day. Consistency to you might be once a week. I think those are both great. You know, again, don't feel like you have to recreate the wheel. You don't have to go hire a marketing team and create all these things, or maybe you do. Maybe that's what you need to do. So I don't think there's one way to the top, but there's certainly, you know, different creative, creative avenues that you can take along the journey. Yeah. It sounds like you have an element of like, stay true to yourself in there tied in with all of that, that wisdom, because like you said, what works for you might not work for somebody else. And I think that's the best advice that you could give, right? I mean, you can give a roadmap, but along the way, there's going to be some things. It's kind of like when people say, oh, use this line. Like you said, you're never the one to be pushy when, whenever trying to do a deal or some kind of transaction. Um, and I'm the same way. I hate when people say, Oh, use this line. It'll, it'll close them or like, use this line. It'll work. And I'm like, it sounds stupid. If I say it, like it works for you, but I just sound like an idiot. And so I think it's really important for people to understand, you know, there's, there is a roadmap to all this, but at the same time, you're going to have to figure out the right combination and figure out exactly how you put your own twist on it because the shade of Tarabi flare or spice that works for restart is not going to be the same, you know, Mike major flare or twist that's going to work for green lane communications. So 
I love, I love that insight that you just shared. Shada, I want to wrap up with one question that I think the audience would gain a ton of value from. And that is, if you could go back in time and give yourself one piece of advice in the entrepreneurial sense, because this is all one hell of a journey and it's not linear and there's a lot of ups and downs. You made that very evident. What's that one golden nugget that if you could just go back in time and tell the younger you of how to power through all this, what would it be? I feel like this is a trick question <laughs> because <laughs> I, I, I struggle with this question, honestly, because I don't think there's anything that I would, would change. No, that's not necessarily the question, but it's like, I don't think there's anything I would change to have told myself. I think, I think I've done it. And so I would tell maybe another version of someone's younger self, what I'm telling you throughout this whole episode, it's be curious, mm. educate yourself. Even presently, I am very knowledgeable and I will always admit that I have more room to grow. And so I think if you um, show up in your life like that consistently of just what can I learn? What can someone teach me? Especially in cannabis where so much information is misinformation. It's, he said, she said, it's, oh, well, what happened in this state? Well, that's not really applicable in my state. Or maybe what happened in that state? Oh, maybe that gives me a heads up for my state. Be curious because being in an isolation, being in a, you know, with your blinders on, although I know that being an entrepreneur puts me in that position a lot of times, that's really where I created my podcast from. It was, how do I talk to more people? It was a selfish endeavor. It was, right. I want information and I... I want it, me, I need help. I need to learn more. And so to the younger selves out there, if you're new in the industry, you're just beginning, you're just embarking on the journey, ask questions, be curious, show up. I can't even begin to express how many times on my podcast, on other people's podcasts, I'm always like, find me on Instagram, find me on LinkedIn, reach out. I'm a person, I'm a resource. And the people that actually do, I always commend. And they're like, oh my gosh, you responded to me. And I'm like, yeah, because I want to have conversations with y'all. Right. I just think people don't really, they, they get in their own way. They deselect themselves. So don't deselect yourself, show up, be curious, ask questions. And that's, that's the best piece of advice I could ever give somebody. That's, that's amazing. I love the show up mindset, right? Like no matter what you're going to do, just show up and do it, show up and do it over and over again. It's really the only way to live life. I mean, yeah, there's a million ways that I could have gone or things could have turned out, but I will never know those lives. And so all I can do is be in control of this one that I'm presently living and make decisions that will hopefully set me up for success and acknowledging that not every path I take is going to be a golden ticket. And so how do you learn grow, evolve, um, and try again. So you got to keep showing up. Absolutely. That's great. And so Shada, if people want to check out restart CBD, or like you just said, reach out to you and actually get a response from you, um, what's the best way for them to connect with you, connect with the brand? Yeah. Social media, because that's where I live most of the time <laughs> is probably the best way. So Restart CBD is at Restart CBD. Um, mine is the Shada Tarabi. And pretty much if you just Google Shada Tarabi, all my assets come up. So 
happy to have conversations with anybody who's, who's willing. So thank you for this opportunity. I've been a big fan of what you're doing and obviously love just our dialogue through social media and LinkedIn in particular and, and appreciate your curiosity. So it's fun for me when I get to make friends who, who are also showing up. So you're doing it. That's awesome. No, thank you so much. And that means, that means a lot coming from you. Um, Thank you for for coming on the show this week. And that is it for this week's episode. So thank you to everybody tuning in. That's it for this week's episode for the Major Journey Podcast. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canada podcasters right here on PodConX and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.